in the light of the chalice this morning. In the light of the chalice this morning, let us simply come back to the names. In the past 10 years, a conversation has begun about what America will ultimately look like as a result of the events of September 11, 2001. As we have this conversation, let us come back again and again to the names. As we have this conversation, and many would seek to restrict the rights we enjoy as Americans, and worse yet, to restrict the rights of only certain Americans, let us come back again and again to the names of the dead at the World Trade Center. As we have this conversation, and many would seek to restrict the rights of only some to seek citizenship and become Americans, let us simply come back again and again to the names of the dead aboard the three airplanes. As we have this conversation and we find ourselves asking, who are the Americans? And we find ourselves forgetting the answer, let us simply come back to the names. Here are just a few. Abad, Ahmed, Alikakos, Aligreto, Ong, Bouchard, Barbuto, Bakalinskaya, Kaplan, Cuccinello, Dominguez, Demeglio, De Jesus, Duffy, Epps, Economos, Friedman, Fleisig, Farrelly, Fu, Gordonstein, Gerlich, Enrique, Hirai, Hirchak, Iskandar, Iskikawa, Iskandarian, Jones, Jablonski, Kelly, Khalif, Kim, Laroque, Lenoir, Lakshmikantha, Montoya, Morabito, McGowan, Nira, O'Grady, Olson, Ottenwalder, U, Parandhar, Quackenbush, Rosenzweig, Ryuk, Sada, Schlag, Siskopoulos, Smith, Takahachi, Tomasevich, Uliano, Velasquez, Williams, Wong, Yaskula, Yasmin, Zarba, Zachary, Zelmanovitz, Zhao, Zuckerman. Who are the Americans? Who are we? Let us simply come back to the names. Good morning. On the way here this morning, listening to the radio, I decided to change this story almost completely. Except that the people that are going to come help me in a few minutes, I still want you to help me. So, so thank you for being here. I was listening to the ceremony at Ground Zero. And one of the speakers I heard during my trip over was a woman, I think her first name was Deborah, but I know the last name was Epps, which is why Epps got into the reading this morning. It was actually not one of the original random names that I had selected. But uh, her brother, Christopher Epps, died in the World Trade Center. And there were two things she said. I really didn't expect this day to affect me like this, but, but there were two things she said that moved me very deeply. The first thing she said is that she learned from that day that the forces of good are not just in cartoons. She learned that the forces of good were very real and they reached out to hold her and to save her and to comfort her and her family and the family of her husband, her brother's beloved co-worker um, during this 
what could have been just the most awful time and was in many ways the most awful time. But she said also that she learned about the forces of good and that they were very real. And the other thing she learned is that, to quote her, people really will catch you when you fall. People really will catch you when you fall. And we've had a lot of conversations lately in, um, in our wonderful board retreat yesterday. You guys have some fantastic people leading you. And, and also with different people around the congregation about talking to each other, about getting to know each other better, about being a community that will catch each other when we fall. I've had the great good fortune to experience that firsthand lately with my with my injury and all the the food that is you know, making it difficult to fit back into some of my real clothes. But but it's been a wonderful thing to experience. And right now, um, Karen Baird is home. This is Gary down here, and this is Aiden, and she's recovering from surgery. And I'm so grateful for everybody that's been um, bringing food for them. And I'm hoping, if you haven't already, that you'll open one of those emails that says Meal Train and, and go to that website and sign up um, to take a meal to them and to other people that will be needing them. Um, but sometimes we are the ones who catch each other when we fall. And there are things we can do, there are, there are things that we can do, movements we can get involved in, but also small things that we can do to make the world better, to make things like 9-11 maybe not happen again, maybe not happen as often at least, but, but to try to make a world that doesn't support that kind of horrible, fearful vengeful, violent activity. I would like for the children and youth to come up here and join me. And I would like for also the people who are teaching religious education right now to come up and join me. And for once, I'm actually going to ask you guys to look out at them instead of saying, sit down here and look look, look at me. These are just some of the children and youth of our church. And these are the teachers that are teaching their classes. And one thing that they are doing, because we really do have the whole world in our hands, we all have different beliefs about God, but one of the things we do believe is God's hands are our hands on earth. And so somewhere is Cherry Groves. Is she still back in the classroom? (laughs) She is teaching um, the pre-K and K-1 class, the little ones. Um, Aiden, you want to come up here? That's your class, too. You want to come up here with us? Come on. It's okay. <laughs> and she would love some help with this guy and with Halen down there. And that's a, that's a wonderful little class. They have a great time if you've never taught before. You should think about Cherry's very experienced. She's very organized. She would be a great person to assist in teaching. Um, This is Audrey Allen in the middle here, and she is teaching the second through fifth grade class, which is um, Grant and Sarah and Gretchen and Eleonora and Andrew and and Zadie. They're all in that class. And uh, I think I said Grant when I meant Mason. You're Mason, right? I am so sorry. (laughs) Grant's up there, yeah. Grant's a middle schooler, right? And Tamla Allen is our middle school teacher. 
And do we have any of our, our middle school and high school were too cool to come down, I guess. Do we have any of our high schoolers here today? Okay, come on down. Steve Caldwell and Radra Hall are in our high school room. <laughs> and here comes Loudon. He's in the pre-K, too. You can come join us. Most, all of these people were not even born, or were just barely born, maybe some of you. Some of you may be, be 10 by now. The teachers, yeah, not all of these people. All of these littler people, I should say. Yeah, they're very advanced. They're very precocious. Um, but this, they are living signs that, you know, it goes on, and there is hope, and the world can be better. And these people here, the grown-ups, are doing their part to see that, that that happens. And I hope that the rest of you, if you haven't taught religious education before, will think about it. I know she turned 9-11 into a teacher pitch. How could she do it? But that's the point. That's the point. This is what we can do. This is what is in our hands to do to help make a better world. So thank all of you, and we're going to sing you to your classes. Michael called me this morning to let me know that he was at the hospital with his mom and asked me to um, recount to you a few of the things that we had talked about in planning for the service. As Barbara mentioned, um, Mike was and is a volunteer fireman, and at the time, he was with a company in New Jersey. And on the fateful day, they went to ground zero. I think Mike's title of his reflection um, sums it up pretty well. At ground zero, we are all one. He was particularly struck by a couple of things. One was that he didn't hear any talk of vengeance or anger at the time, at that moment. And also, everyone just pitched in, including Mayor Giuliani. The mayor came down, reporter tried to, you know, interview him, and he just waved him away and said, this is not the time. I don't think he actually said these words, but his attitude was, grab a shovel and dig. As the voice, voice of reason and tolerance is so important in our time, it's important that we try to sustain those places that are a voice for reason and tolerance and, and um, inclusion. This church is sustained by your contributions alone. It's one of our sacraments to receive your gifts, and we'll do that at this time. I'd like to again share the prayer that um, I wrote for the service we had the night of 9-11 here at the church. At the end of this prayer, it invites people to include what thoughts they might have. I would ask that you consider the spirit of prayer in anything that you say. Please 
be brief. But please join me now in the spirit of prayer. Great source of life, love, and healing. Ground of our being. We are gathered here in this evening hour with hearts that are heavy, with spirits bearing the weight of great sadness and concern. We ache that so many lives have been lost. We grieve that so many families are in mourning. Over the course of a single hour, innumerable things were changed forever by the actions of what may well be a comparable few. Once again, we must face our mortality. We are forced to recognize our vulnerability. not only to the ways of nature, but also to the foolish, foolhardedness that regrettably seems to pervade the human race. We stand in the shoes that those in other lands have worn so many times. Yet we find ourselves in disbelief that it could happen to us. We're grateful for the sense of safety that we in America have enjoyed for so long. We give thanks for the comforts of our lives that are too easily taken for granted. Mother, Father, God. We are gathered here that we might mindfully calm the fearful, angry, and reactive stirrings of our thoughts. Those stirrings that seem to overtake or at least overshadow our spirits in response to such terrible tragedy. We come together to remind ourselves and each other that we must be of strong resolve to remain participants in the solutions that only love, care, understanding, and genuine communication can provide. Fill each of us with kind yet honest words, gentle but powerful deeds, responsible, still effective actions. 
simple but profound thoughts and generous but not weak spirits that our land may lead the world to a more humane coexistence in this tiny web we all share. Oh, great mystery. We recognize that the gift of life each of us has been given affords us the power of choice. You which art the sum of light and truth, from the depths of our being, we seek support from all that is good and worthy that we might consistently choose not to be contributors in the fear, hate, greed, and violence that cause such unimaginable behavior. We pray, too, for the well-being of those from other countries, both here in the United States and abroad, who now wait fearfully aware that misguided responses to these events may imperil them or their loved ones. Here, now, we extend our intention and the co-creative capacity with which we are endowed to join with those around us in this place and those around the world who are tonight offering prayers of comfort and healing light to all who have already suffered and to all whose lives may be touched before this matter is resolved. We ask for the safety of men and women in the military, the government, emergency workers, and even civilians as the storms set in motion by this craziness play out. We send our hope our courage and our unified sense of justice, compassion, fairness, and peace to the leaders of our nation so that they might with clarity and deep understanding select the roads that this country will travel beyond this point. We pray that one day there will be true peace all over the earth and beyond. That every human may live to know the meaning and the feeling of freedom, honor, and respect.
If there is anything you would like to add, please feel free to do so at this time. Mother's call woke me up. Turn on your TV. As the second plane crashed, I thought, war. We're at war again. I was director of a small community mediation center in downtown Oakland, California. One of our staff was opening up that day, a young African-American man with dreads from New York City named Jihad. I called the office and told him what had happened. Jihad, you're within falling distance of the federal building. Call your mother in New York. Make sure she's all right. Then close up and get home. At that time, we weren't sure who was responsible or how widespread the attacks might be. Our office was a scant block away from our own Twin Towers, the Oakland Federal Building. And I remembered all too well the bombing of the Federal Building in Oklahoma City how McVeigh had shopped around, considering several federal buildings, including the one in Little Rock where my daughter, then a congressional aide, sometimes worked when she wasn't in D.C. at the Capitol. Then we heard the Pentagon had been hit. The Pentagon? The Pentagon? Then we heard a fourth plane had gone down in rural Pennsylvania. It eventually became clear that those hijackers' target had also been D.C., either the Capitol or the White House. United Flight 93 had been headed for San Francisco with many passengers from the Bay Area. Some had been able to call loved ones to say goodbye and tell them what they planned. We heard a lot about their lives and their courage from the local media. We grieved and were grateful for their sacrifice that kept that plane from its goal. I was shocked that day, but not especially surprised when it became clear who was responsible. Hadn't such terrorists tried to blow up the World Trade Center before? Hadn't terrorists bombed the Cobar Tower's marine barracks? Hadn't they bombed the USS Cole? I was surprised at the reaction of so many Americans puzzling, why do they hate us? I was surprised when Bill Maher was so roundly denounced for saying what I and so many of my friends thought. It's our chickens coming home to roost. Now, I don't mean to blame the victims or soften the horror of what was done that day. Truly innocent lives were snuffed out or irrevocably altered that day in their thousands. 
I do mean to remind us how many lives we, as a nation, have snuffed out or irrevocably altered both before and since that day, some by bombs, some by economic predations, some by misguided policies and the messy business of being a superpower, some by being an extraordinary force for cultural change. Jeans, Coke, a cola, rock and roll, uppity women. Scares a lot of people, that kind of change. The next day we gathered at the Unitarian Church, which was just around the corner from my office, to share our anger, our grief, our fears, our concerns for the future. Jihad and Jesse, another New Yorker who worked in our office, went with me. Jihad wasn't as observant a Muslim as the mother who named him, but had long since come to terms with his name which he pointed out means struggle, especially striving to do right. He is now a preschool teacher in Chicago. Jesse was Jewish by heritage, Buddhist by choice. She is a pacifist by nature, nurture, and conviction. Eventually, she moved back to New York and joined a legal firm working on behalf of Guantanamo detainees. We had an interesting conversation that day about patriotism. I said I was a patriot, and she questioned that. Well, I love my country, the vastness and diversity and awe-inspiring beauty of her very earth, the openness and resilience of her people. And I love her ideals, love how we keep striving to fulfill them even as we backslide all too often. I grieve for us as a nation, for us as the human species, that we haven't found sufficient ways to settle conflicts short of violence. As our nation marched toward our next invasion, I grieved yet again for apparently irreconcilable differences of belief, of worldview, that thwart efforts toward understanding and accepting one another. I went back to the office and drew a large dove with one blood-red teardrop falling from her eye. I hung it in our office window. I had no tears for the Taliban or Al-Qaeda. I am a woman, after all. But many tears for those on both sides who were about to die or be maimed. Ten years later. Long time 
short time, depending on your perspective. But ten years of war later, that toll has risen by the thousands of Americans, as we note each Sunday in our order of service. By the hundreds of thousands of Afghani and Iraqi people, by hundreds of our allies, and yes, by hundreds of truly dangerous men bent on death and destruction. As some of you know, I'm, I'm an army brat. In a century of wars, this is the first time we have fought two wars at once with an all-volunteer military. For a while, this disguised the damage done to our economy, absorbing some of the rising unemployment. However, we have also used the backdoor draft of calling up thousands of reservists, further straining the fabric of our society. And we began to see more of the damage done to those who have served tour after tour, damage to their bodies, their psyches, their families, their communities, our communities. Mother's issue of military officer, which is kind of like it's the magazine of the Military Officers Association, kind of like AARP for retired military. It arrived as I was working on this service. Now, I don't usually read this, but this issue featured comments by readers on the decades since 9-11. Some spoke of lingering anger, of difficulty re-entering the economy, difficulty coping with civilian life, of divorce, of lost time with their children, and some spoke of minds open, career changes forced by circumstance, yet eventually fulfilling. Here are some excerpts. Ten years later, I find myself still seething, still unwilling to forgive those responsible for these heinous acts. My religious tolerance is being strained as I attempt to mentally separate Islamic jihadists from peaceful practitioners of the Muslim faith. Retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Frank Raspberry. I deeply regret the lost ability to calmly discuss the merits and demerits of conservative versus liberal views, 9-11 has gouged a huge wound in the side of American ideals and sapped the strength of our democracy. Retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel James Bridges. I was a lieutenant during my time in Iraq. It made me change my outlook on life in several ways. First, life is fragile, 
and can be silenced in a heartbeat. Second, life is not black and white. Right and wrong are not easy to distinguish as I had believed my whole life. Third, there are other spiritual beliefs out there in the world. And just because someone calls God by another name doesn't mean that I have it right and they have it wrong. Army Major Stuart Lindsay. I was asked by my local Rotary Club to speak at the next meeting after 9-11. I suggested to them that while the urge for vengeance and forceful response was understandable, what I saw was a need for a longer vision and action. Indeed, it was evident that there was, and still is, a wide cultural and economic gap between the Western world and the have-nots of the world. As hard as it was and is to swallow, responding in force to the 9-11 attacks is only a temporary measure, as we have seen. While we find it difficult to turn the other cheek and offer aid, that will be the only lasting solution to animosity. That is a hard sell to people who have stained losses from that animosity, but in the long run, it is the only way. Retired Navy Captain Daniel Christensen. Ten years later, I can't escape the feeling that there is another edifice collapsing around us in slow motion, causing great damage. Perhaps it is the edifice of empire. Perhaps it is an effect of our visceral knowledge of mortality that we cannot armor ourselves against. Perhaps, despite divisive efforts by fearmongers, perhaps it is a deepening understanding that we are, we really are, like the rest of the world. Not exempt, not even buffered from the political and economic storms that batter the rest of the world. Hard-won wisdom, indeed, for us all. Ten years later, the media are full of stories about heroes, survivors, and memorials. I am struck by how many people have changed their lives in ways that are themselves memorials. The sister of a fallen firefighter who joined the army and later became a firefighter herself. The scholarship fund set up by parents in honor of their dead son to facilitate lives now and in the future. People who have opted to live simpler, quieter, 
more family-oriented lives in the knowledge that life is fragile and love is the most important thing. In The Week magazine, recently there was a full-page ad featuring many, many faces of people saying, I will make a tribute on September 11th. I will not forget you. I will remember by doing. I will plant trees. I will teach literacy. I will continue to be a volunteer firefighter. I will volunteer in our local domestic violence center. I will sing songs. I will give blood. I will help someone build a house. I will send care packages to troops overseas. I will spend the day with my daughter. I will clean my room. I will pray with Jews, Christians, and Muslims, and dare I say, pagans. What will you do? What will I do? What will we do?